the Collective Whisper Podcast with Simon King. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's show. I hope you're all good and enjoying all the shows so far. And this week we have another great guest for you. But before we get on to the guest, I'd just like to ask you to please follow and subscribe to our shows and keep giving us the love and we keep giving you good guests and try to entertain you as much as we can. Okay, so this week's guest is Chesney Clare. Pop singer-songwriter Chesney Clare was born July 10, 2001. Right after graduation in 2019, Chesney moved to Branson, Missouri to work and ultimately begin her music career. While in Branson, Chesney's talents caught the eye and ears of several Las Vegas producers and songwriters. In March of 2020, Chesney and her momager, Kim Herbert, found themselves moving across the country to Sin City, Las Vegas, in order to be closer to more industry professionals. Immediately upon moving to Vegas, Chesney provided vocals for two original songs that were recorded and released. Mid-2020 proved to be the perfect opportunity to write music. With 47 original songs under her belt, she flew to Orlando, Florida with a local Vegas producer and had her first original single, 15 Candles. By September of 2020, Chesney started making preparations to release her next single, Moving On, but industry awards poured in and demanded her attention. In 2020 alone, Chesney was nominated for an Independent Music Award for a Michael Jackson cover of Bad. She was also nominated for Best Upcoming Artist at the Las Vegas Music Awards, and she won Female Artist of the Year at Indie Star Radio in Hollywood, California. Chesney's single Hours was released February 1st, 2021, and Come Alive was properly released right after the pandemic in May of 2021. Chesney released Distracted in 2021. As of October 2021, Chesney has been nominated for 16 Music Industry Awards and has become a top five charting artist. October 2021 has brought two Worldwide Songwriting Awards, a coveted Josie Award nomination and a 2021 ISSA Gold Win for Female Vocalist of the Year. In 2021, Chesney was a prestigious nominee for the 2021 Hollywood Music and Media Awards as an independent musician alongside huge names associated with Sony Pickners, Walt Disney and others, and continues her quest for music placement in feature films, documentaries and other media sources. Most recently, Chesney, at the age of 20, has just purchased Zeiss Records and she owns her own publishing company and works hard every day making new contacts and developing new business relationships. Okay, welcome to the show, Chesney Clare. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. It's lovely to meet you, and uh, thank you for coming on our podcast. And you are at the moment in Las Vegas, no? Yes, I live in Las Vegas. And it's a bit earlier in the morning there. I mean, we're we're on European time here, so it's like 7 o'clock. But for you, it's early in the morning. So I hope you didn't have too late a night, and I hope you feel fresh. (laughs) I'm okay. I'm... I got musicians hours but I'm I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, we we um as musicians sometimes we tend to work into the wee hours as we say and you can sometimes the next day you can pay for it. And and you know the thing I always said to people it's not even about going out partying or drinking or doing whatever. It's just sometimes you're being very creative at 3 in the morning or an idea hits you and you're like no no I want to get it done and you're like oh you know, I don't care about time. And you just keep working. And then the next day you feel it. Exactly. You don't want to put it off until tomorrow. And so you suffer for it tomorrow. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you, are you kind of a night owl when it comes to being creative? Do you do a lot of your best work at night? Um, I actually would say that I, I do most of my work during the daytime. Um, I do like my relaxing time at the, in the evenings. Um, <laughs> um, but sometimes, I mean, if a creative idea comes to me, then I'll just run with it and I can be up in my studio until the wee hours of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, nowadays with everybody being kind of goal oriented and very focused and you have all these, you know, motivational speakers and they're like, you know, you know, I, I go to bed or no, I get up at four in the morning, but they don't tell you they go to bed at nine, maybe. So they still get a good sleep. And then the musicians who are up till two and three and four in the morning are like, oh, I don't know if I could ever do that, you know. But I think for a lot of musicians now, they're kind of tending to do more work in the, in the daytime. Right. Yeah. So I definitely feel that. I mean, especially for me, I just I, I do like my uh, my my because I, I like to work all day because this is my like full time job. So I do work. I do put in work all day, but I definitely will stay up and make make some creative ideas. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually saw something recently where I think it was um, Akon or some one of the other rappers, you know, um, they were talking about working with Eminem, you know, and they said, um, I can't remember exactly who it was, but they said they would arrive at the studio at 630 in the evening. And they'd be like, hey, where's him? Is Eminem here? And they'd be like, he's gone home. And they're like, what do you mean? He finishes at six. And they're like, what do you mean he finishes at six? And they said, he comes in at nine and he finishes at six, like a regular day. He's, he treats it like a regular job. So so he called, this rapper called up Eminem and he said, I'm in the studio. Are you coming in? And he said, yeah, I'll see you at nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. That's, that's whenever you know you've made it where you can be like, yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. Some, some people have that, you know, the musician's mindset, but then they also have the CEO of the top company where they're like, I'm doing everything during the day and I'm leaving my evenings free and so on, you know, for other things. So... So Chesney, tell us, you are from Louisiana. So when did you make the move to Vegas? Um, I actually moved as soon as I graduated from my high school in Louisiana. I moved straight to Branson, Missouri. And I stayed there for about six months. And that was kind of just like a little place to figure out uh, exactly what I wanted to do with my life because I had already fallen in love with being on stage. I had fallen in love with um, making covers and singing for people. Um, but whenever I moved to Branson, Missouri, I went to my first recording studio ever and I recorded my five covers that I have released. And that's when I fell in love with being in the studio. So, um, so we lived there for about six months, um, got everything straight, got life figured out and darted over here. We decided we were going to move over here and we came within like a week. And uh, we came, we got here March 2020, right as soon as the pandemic okay. started. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and let's let's go, before we kind of get into what you're doing now, such, let's go back a little bit. So so in Louisiana, you were, you know, uh, you were you graduated from high school. What was your, uh, Bell City High School, wasn't it? Or something like this. I, I have, I had it written down. Yeah. And yeah, so. 
So in Bell City High School, I mean, were, as a teenager, were you one of these people who sang in front of the mirror with the hairbrush? Or where did the whole kind of music and being a singer, where did that come from? Um, It came from, it came definitely started at my grandparents. Um, they, they pushed me into singing in the choir, the church choir every Sunday. Um, so I actually enjoyed doing that with them. I enjoyed like being able to sit by them and have that, that good time with them. Um, but as I grew older and I was maybe like a sophomore in high school, um, there was tryouts for our show choir. And so our show choir is kind of like a little cover band. Um, we don't do normal choir things. Um, we just cover songs. It's like a rock choir kind of, is it? Yeah, basically like school of rock type thing. <laughs> um, but there was a guitar player, bass, keys, and drums. And we would, there was four singers and we would go perform at casinos and we performed at the mall. And that is really what set a fire under me. Like, like I just love performing in front of people and like with my classmates around me, you know, it just made it so comfy. Like my first times being on stage. Um, and since I was 15, um, I've been performing in little country bars in Louisiana. Um, I would perform country music because that's what really? everybody wanted. So I would perform the country music. And, um, and yeah, just got my start in high school uh, with my grandparents and doing little gigs in Louisiana. Yeah. And playing in those country bars, I mean, you know, would you kind of go in and have a plan about, oh, I'm going to sing these songs and then slowly discover people ask for other things? Um, sometimes, uh, you know, um, I got I got in there one time and I was like, OK, I'm going to I had a whole list of songs I was going to sing. Um but then I felt out the room and I was like, okay, these people really want something country. So I sang Ma Miranda Lambert for them and they loved it. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, you just got to fill out the room, um, think about what they would want. And I, I ended up changing my songs like last minute decision type thing because I just wanted to, uh, to to please the audience. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's kind of a thing. I know in my experience playing like in cover bands or just playing solo acoustic kind of gigs in bars, you kind of, after a while, you have a plan, you know, and you're like going to do these songs. And then, you know, somebody goes, do you, do you know this song? Do you know the song by whoever, you know? And you're like, uh, okay, maybe. But And then you're like, write it down after the gig. And then you find after weeks and weeks of doing this, you have a, maybe a different set because... You don't know what people want and you think, oh, yeah, they love these songs, but people can surprise you with their choices and everything, can't they? Yeah, their requests, their crazy requests. <laughs> yeah. And so would you say then, you know, playing in those bars for you and obviously, you know, having played in the rock choir, do you think that kind of gave you an apprenticeship? It taught you a lot about performing and singing and even songwriting? Sure. Um, it did. It did definitely teach me a lot about stage performance. It taught me a lot about um, how to just be confident and um, not nervous because I was a very nervous child, especially um, going up on stage in front of people. That was just not my thing. And so having these classmates around me, um, being up there with me and, 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 doing the same thing I was doing, you know, it was, it was all just so easy. And it, it, 
it definitely led the way um, for for me being on stage now. It definitely gives me confidence. Sometimes I just think, reflect back on those times, and I'm like, that was so easy, you know. That was so easy, and I did that when I was when I was 15. You know, I can do this now. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good because I mean, for a lot of people, they learn their stagecraft. You know, in those small bars and they learn like things they have to be doing, you know, and, and what works and what doesn't. And also, you know, the whole thing about equipment, it's great, you know, when you can if you can later on in life, you know, be on a stage and you have sound people worrying about the sound and you don't have to worry about it. But at the beginning, you know, everybody's there with the mic like testing one, two. It's not working. It's not working. And whoever is with you, you're kind of like, you know, or even if you're doing the sound yourself, you have to worry about all of these things and that's your stagecraft that's part of the battle learning all that learning what to happen if something goes wrong or if you're you know a guitar player or somebody breaks a string or you know and to keep the show going isn't it right yeah definitely um i've had lots of lots of times where um something technical has went wrong lots of even my live videos at home um so it's definitely going to be nice to have that that kind of team around me someday, um, taking care of everything like that so I can just worry about being a musician. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think, well, everybody likes that idea because, you know, the more the more gear and more equipment you have to set up and look after and troubleshoot, it kind of gets in the way sometimes of singing and performing. So it's nice, obviously. You know, when you go to a big concert and you're like, oh, Beyonce doesn't have to worry about this. And, you know, the Rolling Stones never, never. Or fix a PA or a speaker. So let's um, let's talk about obviously when you were in Louisiana and you were you know uh, playing like music and everything. But did you do other things or was music your main passion? Music was definitely definitely my main passion. Um, I also was loving at the time. I was loving um, doing makeup, so I would do makeup um for proms and homecomings and weddings that was my other little um side hustle um i liked i helped my mom actually had a photography business and um, i would go help her do that too i had a job at sonic as well okay okay <laughs> so like, a lot of a lot of different random things that i would do um but uh, yeah, music has always been like first and foremost for me. Yeah. And, you know, um, I see there, obviously, as you call your your mom is your mom, but she's also your momager. I saw you put that in okay. one of your um, websites. And so that's quite interesting because with your background in, you know, um, you know, beauty and makeup and this kind of thing, and then your mom's in photography, that's also a great skill to have for the area of work you're going into now more and more where you have to do photo shoots and you're creating content. It's great to have that on your team, no? For sure. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, she has been giving me glamour shots since I was born. Um, so, so I definitely know how to do my makeup to, uh, to, to match her photo shoots. Um, we're actually having one this evening, another photo shoot. Um, yeah. Um, for my upcoming single. Um, so 
Yeah, it's always been a blessing. It's super easy to be able to post on social media because she's always taking pictures of me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, be, because obviously your your mom is managing you and, and, you know, you obviously spend a lot of time together because of that. Is that one of those things that, you know, you've learned how to work together? Because, you know, it's it can be tricky working with family and you can love someone dearly, but then... When you're, you know, working together, they have different opinions and different ideas. And even, for example, it's the case of youth versus experience as well, where, you know, your mom mom can have ideas and maybe she sees the bigger picture and you're kind of going, oh, no, I think it'd be better this way. And then you might say later, oh, maybe she maybe she knows what she's saying. So has that been an easy thing for you or do you guys know how to give each other space when you need to? Um, It's it. It has been an issue at times, um, but after everything, you know, I I listen to her. I listen to her, and she listens to me right back. Like, we, we have a great way of communicating. None of us go um, unheard. Um, we we both try to express our ideas in the best way possible um, to, to make sure, you know, that I'm not messing up or she's not messing up by saying we should do this thing. Um, we really take a step back and just examine the situation and then make a decision. And we're like, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, that's good to hear because, you know, it can be one way or the other. And, and sometimes, as I said, working with someone close to you, it can be difficult. So when did you guys kind of make the decision that, OK, mom's going to be the manager or did you had, did you try out different managers or different people and then say, oh, no, I prefer working with mom. How did that kind of process happen? Well, um, she, like, since the very beginning, since I first started um, making music and, um, and like, especially writing, since I first started writing my own original music, she's really been there to, to push all my stuff. And she's just, she's just already assumed that position of, um, of a manager. Um, so I never really had to say, hey, mom, will you be my manager? Because she was already there. She was already that, like, from the very beginning. Um, but I, I have met people who have been my manager. They've just really um, taken me to a next step and um, and helped me get to a next step. But Kim, my mom is Kim, and um, she, she definitely pushes me every single day, um, like the most hardcore manager ever. <laughs> and... Uh, Heck yeah. And she, anytime somebody new comes into our life that's in the music business, she does more research on them than the FBI. And she's like, she's like, she's definitely on top of everything, like 100%. Um, so I never really had to say, will you be my manager? Because she was just already that. Yeah. Well, you know, I suppose in, in retrospect to all moms, they are managers of sorts. And and the thing is, for her, it was probably a clear decision. You know, I want to look after my daughter's career and help her because, you know, obviously in the music business, there's lots of sharks and, you know, you have to avoid these. But as you're a younger person coming up, <clears throat> it's harder to see them and it's hard to see their motives. And what you can see is a great opportunity. Maybe your mom might say, well, hold on a second maybe this is uh, not what it seems or it's too good to be true. And so it, it, it's good to have that in a way because your mom is going to look out for your best interest more so than any manager you could bring in. I mean, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's definitely obvious. Uh, you know, 
that's another reason why we are so independent um, because because we we have done so much research on the music business. We have I feel like I've I've been in the music business for 15 years because because of 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 how much people have tried to 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 make me um you know how much how much people have tried to make us jaded I yeah, guess Yeah, yeah, I word. understand. Um um you know there's there's so many different different things that people can say to you but there's there's only so many actions that people can prove and and my mom and I have made more headway in this business um, by ourselves. Like we've we've made so much so much progress in this in this business just in a couple of years. Um, so I guess we'll just stick to that and see what see what happens just for the time being. Unless you know, if it ain't broke, you know. Um, and the thing is, I, I think like that you find a formula because you know for every artist or performer or singer or whatever. It's a it's a hard road music, you know, it's a very tough career and you know, there's been some of the best songwriters and talented artists and they don't make it or they don't, you know, they don't uh, make enough money to survive as musicians or singers or songwriters and they have to go back to doing what they were doing. But for you, when you were in Branson, Missouri, you know, and you you kind of said, "Okay, where's the next step?" Did Vegas seem like an obvious choice or did some people say you should go to Vegas? How did that kind of uh, thought decision, how did that work itself out? Um, so the very first time I even thought about Vegas, um, there was a producer on Facebook that I got in contact with. And he actually said, um, I think your voice would be perfect for these two songs that I wrote. Can you come fly down and um, get them recorded? And I was like, sure. So I went to Vegas and um, got those two songs recorded, and I stayed there for maybe three, four days, and I loved it. Like, we went on the strip, and it was just beautiful weather, and it was just beautiful here, all in all. And and so uh, we got back to Missouri, and we looked at each other, and we were like, I miss Vegas. <laughs> Um, so, so all we did from there is pack our stuff and head to Vegas. And, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been fantastic. <laughs> like, so, you know, you've been in Vegas throughout the pa- pandemic and, you know, it's, um, it's kind of changed and probably things closed down and they're opening up again and closing down, you know, everything's kind of like a roller coaster ride, but, when you now that you've been in Vegas for you know a year year or two nearly now um have you kind of has it opened your eyes to the city in in different ways that like tourists and stuff don't see because you know I remember the last time I was in Vegas I think it was 2019 and you know it's a fantastic city but it's a very touristic city and it's one where people kind of come and lose it all and have a great weekend and everybody wants to go back to like, oh, it's such a great city. But it's a different thing living there, obviously, because you have to, it's like LA a little bit too, where you have to find work and you have to kind of keep your, you have to survive and you have to do shows and everything. So the glitz and glamour can maybe wear off and it's down to hard work then, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And there's also, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely about the hard work, um, putting in whatever, you know, but 
the the best thing about Vegas that I've realized is like the 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 scenery and the outskirts of Vegas are just beautiful. There's there's a big mountain range um by Vegas and it's called Mount Charleston and I go there all the time. Whenever whenever I lose lose my creativeness for a minute, I'm like I got to go breathe and I go I go out there and it's just absolutely beautiful. You just got to keep to yourself. You can't you can't just go crazy every night. Otherwise, you I mean, you probably shouldn't be living in Vegas if you're going to if you're thinking about doing that anyway. <laughs> this would be the worst place to do that at. It's one of those places. I remember when when me and my wife were there and um we we went there and we actually got married in Vegas. You know, we we did an American tour and we got married in Vegas and but what was kind of sad, we pulled up at a petrol station or gas station on, you know, just just on the way into Vegas. And, you know, when you're coming into Vegas and you see all the lights. And so we pulled in and got some gas. And but there was a guy at the filling pumps and he was uh, he looked, you know, well dressed and everything. But he was going around asking people for a, do- a dollar. Just can you give me a dollar? You know, and he was collecting dollars. And he said to us, I'm just trying to get home. He said, you know, I lost all my money and everything. So. I would say, you know, for lots of, you know, shops and gas stations, they see that all the time. You know, people go there with a great idea and a great plan. And sometimes it's only for holidays. But for some people, it's maybe to go there and work and to make something of themselves. But like you said, you have to be a little bit disciplined because if you want to party all the time, it's hard to balance the books and it's hard to have money to party all the time. You you want to work really hard. So you have to be able to discipline yourself, don't you? Right, exactly. And I don't I don't really spend lots of my time at the strip. I like to um, I like to kind of Vegas is such a huge city that that there's always like a new place that I haven't heard of or a new a new a new road I've never been down I'm like (laughs) when that get there you know you know and they're always adding on to it too um so I mean yeah you definitely have to be disciplined um you I mean I'm 20 so I can't do anything regardless um but but you know I don't think I would if I if I could I don't think I'm gonna go crazy. I, I I like to keep um my working mindset and uh during the daytime too. <laughs> well well next year or when you're twenty one you can answer that question better. Okay. Because we, if we spoke to you in a year's time, you'd be like, okay, now I'm twenty one, I see it in a different light. But I understand that that's why, you know, it's funny, actually, I, my daughter is 11 and I was talking to her the other day and we were talking about, you know, drinking and alcohol and these kind of things. And I was explaining to her, you know, the thing is, adults make lots of bad decisions on alcohol and this thing. And I, we were talking about the age. She said, how old do you have to be to drink? And I said, well, in Europe, it's 18, you know. But I said, in America, it's 21. And she was like, really? And I said, yeah, because they kind of, you know, they have a different mindset. So. The problem is that, you know, for an 18 year old European who's drinking, when they go to America, they're like, oh, God, you have to be 21 here. Uh, I don't actually know the law as regards foreign, like someone at 19 from Europe drinking in America, but I'm, I, I assume it's the same. But you can see for a lot of younger people, you know, and especially if you're 1920 in Vegas, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of temptation. And I mean, you know, obviously some people are just waiting for that day when they're 21. Just try it out and experiment, no? Right. 
I, I can I can see that definitely. Good thing I don't like alcohol. <laughs> I've never been a fan. Uh, I went to the yeah. Bahamas, I went to the Bahamas uh, like whenever I was eighteen, and you could drink in the Bahamas. So I drank and and it didn't feel good. I didn't like it at all. And I was like, okay, never again. And uh, something I don't do. But there is lots of temptations here. You just got to keep your head on straight. So obviously, you know, um, Vegas during the pandemic, what was it like? Because I was trying to imagine myself. I saw a few pictures of the strip being kind of empty and everything. But it must have been a bit surreal to see, you know, those usually busy streets and the strip and everything very quiet during the whole pandemic. No, it was it was really strange. Um, I had seen it. Like I said, like I moved there um, a week after I went and visit, visited. So that week that I went and visited, it was all booming. It was all crazy. It was it was insane. And then came here and it was starting to slow down a little bit. And then there was nobody. The streets were completely empty. The lights were off. There was no, there was, like the strip was dark. And it was so crazy because Vegas is the brightest city in the world. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, um, so I shot. I actually shot my music video for my my very first music video, um, Fifteen Candles." That was shot. Yes, I saw that you did it around Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. It was during the pandemic, so there was absolutely nobody on the strip. There was like no cars, barely any people. Like it was. It was really, really crazy. It was definitely weird to see and and you know that's a really funny thing because normally let's say if you're filming videos or whatever you know you say let's go at six in the morning or once the sun comes up let's go to the beach or let's go wherever because there'll be nobody there and then you know you're kind of you don't want people around or you want less people but during the pandemic you're like oh we kind of need some people walking around we there's nobody here we need to make it look like it's normal life (laughs) that's exactly that's what happened but we were like we, we looked at the street and we were like, it's so empty. It's so eerie. Like, it's just weird. Perfect. Perfect for the video. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Perfect yeah, it's like, it's, it's your city for that night. Yeah, exactly. We rented, we rented out Las Vegas for the night. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll pay the electricity bill tomorrow. Oh, so, so, <laughs> so the thing is then, like, on a more practical level, um, when you guys got there, and I, I mean, I, obviously, because you had been gigging in Louisiana and in, in Branson and Missouri. So when you got to Las Vegas, you probably had a plan to to keep gigging and to get some gigs and stuff. But I'm sure a lot of things had shut down. So was that difficult to try and get work like that? Um, it, it was very difficult. Um, I think I got like one live um live event that happened during the pandemic and you know it was really really tough because I did go from performing and getting used to being on stage you know I'm just now starting so so I was really using that um I was using that time and I was I was using it for that but I really realized during the pandemic that it was time to start doing other things so like I had 200 Instagram followers at that time, which is ridiculous. Um, now I'm at, now I'm at 9,700. Wow! So you really put the work in. Yeah, and and I wrote about 150 songs during the pandemic. Okay. <laughs> 
there's just so much behind the scenes work that I did and I could keep doing um, since I was in the house. So I did live shows. I did, I did fundraisers for um, Wounded Warrior Project. I, uh, I wrote a bunch of songs and I worked on my melodies and uh, now I have my iMac, which you are on, and it's part of my studio. So Brilliant. Yeah, so I got a, a new little setup during the um, during the pandemic, and I can continue to make my demos. I can um, come up with melodies and record, and that's just such a useful tool um, to be able to have. And I'm glad that I spent that time um, where I couldn't go out and perform. I spent it on the behind-the-scenes work. You know, um, I, I pushed myself. I, I sent my stuff where it needed to be sent. I sent billion emails. Um, I just I just steady worked on it. Well, I mean, like I couldn't do this. So I'll just do this to the best of my ability. I think that's the thing a lot of people realize you have to do something different because there's so many frustrated artists, musicians, singers that were stuck at home and they're like, okay, so this is my studio now. This is my virtual gigs. This is my everything. Um, now, unfortunately, we had this kind of avalanche of live Facebook gigs and virtual gigs, some better than others. But it, it, it kind of it's a new stagecraft for people because they're learning how to perform in front of Zoom and so on and how to do it differently and how to how to work with a virtual audience. No. Yeah. Um, working with a virtual audience is is is. I was about to say equally as amazing, but, you know, there's nothing like the feeling of actually seeing these people's faces. Um, but it's so cool to be able to connect with my fans. Um all the way across the world, all the way across the country, you know, they all can watch me in one place at one time. Is I just think it's a really cool thing. Like you don't even have to move. You can just come join. You can come watch and sign in and say, Hey Chesney, and I'll be like, Hey <laughs> Hey, all the way over there. All the way over there. Yeah, there can be in any part. So Let's go back to one thing you were mentioning there. I want to I want to talk about your songwriting process and how you do it. But I want one thing I want to ask you there going back to you know working with people in the music industry and we mentioned earlier like there's sharks and you know there's good people and bad people. But you know when you were sending out all those emails what kind of for you and your mom have you kind of quickly worked out a way when there's unscrupulous people? you know, looking to knock at your door and people saying, oh, you know, come on into our stable of artists and so on. Um, and saying, oh, you know, bring your songs here. And, you know, it's because it, it is a tricky road. I know I've I've done that myself in the past where you'd have someone contact you and say, I really like that song or whatever. And then, you know, you you're spend your time talking and kind of getting to know them. And then they give you this ridiculous offer with some stupid contract and you're like, no, this is ridiculous. And they say, oh, well, that's the way it is. So I'm sure you've come across that a lot there. Yeah. Um, there's always, I've found that there's always somebody who's who's wanting to tear you down in the in the worst way. You know, I've had, I've had lots of amazing opportunities, but I've also been, um, I've been in some pretty weird situations where like, where I know that that offer shouldn't be what it is or I know that you're you're doing this and and that doesn't that step really doesn't need to be taken to be able to go where I need to go you know there's just um 
there's there's definitely some some tricky people in this business but but you just got to keep your eyes open just um don't be deceived it's it's really hard to to try to figure out who's legit and who's not um but just take your time research them talk to them in person you know i mean it'll uh it's just it is definitely a tricky tricky thing yeah and but what you said there you know, being in, an independent artist for a lot of people now, it's t- it's given them new confidence and it's shown them that, hold on, maybe I don't need these people or this team. Because nowadays, you know, when you're an artist, you have to create so much content and you have to do all the photography and you have to do the design, you have to do everything. So in the past for artists to be like, oh, you're a great singer or a good songwriter. And yeah, we'll we'll handle all the rest. And and it seemed like then the value they give you as as a record label or as any as a manager, even it seems like it was worth it. But now when you're doing all of these things, you're kind of like, I, I don't think I need these people. I can do it on my own. And I need some people, but not as much as before. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's really hard to keep up with social media. You know, I'm trying to grow my social media every single day. I post a bunch of times a day on my stories. You know, I post pictures of me, post content of me singing covers and uh, like little clips of my new things that are coming out. I just always try to keep um, everybody engaged, keep everybody focused um, on on whatever is coming next, you know, but it's really hard to do that and to do my merch and to do um, the songwriting, my, everything, my songwriting to do all that and and still be a musician, you know, yeah. You have to, you have to practice. I gotta practice my vocals. I have to, um, I have to do all kinds of stuff, and then, and then I have to do a bunch of Instagram and Facebook on top of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I find even, you know, in the past, if I've released music or, or you know, even with my podcast. You're like, okay, you know, I have to do this and I have to edit and stuff. But then you're like, oh, the mountain of social media and, you know, you're trying to make something grow. But it's very easy to get social media burnout, you know, where you're kind of like you you post three times a day or four times. And then somebody says on Instagram, you really need to post seven times a day. And you're like, oh, my God, seven times. Like, And then you have to create more content. You have to do all of the work around it. And it's maybe a 30 second clip or it's a three minute clip or whatever. So it's so much work. And then you're like, oh, it's hard to get time to make music anymore. Yeah. You feel like a content creator over over a musician or over uh, <laughs> over anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just. Yeah, I, I think what it is when, when when YouTubers came out and we saw them creating content they, like they weren't singing, maybe they were just talking about stuff and whatever. But now what's happened is musicians and artists have to be youtubers content creators and then be singers and musicians as well so it's nearly like double the work isn't it yeah for sure it definitely is you know um especially whenever i'm out of content and i'm like okay what am i gonna do now gotta think of something and then i gotta think of like three more things after that for this week you know (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. So let's move on a little to your songwriting then, you know, because I was listening the other day to your your songs and you know, and they're really nice and they're they're and they're they're catchy, you know, as well. They've um because you know, nowadays obviously with 
with pop and there's an awful lot of regeneration, you know, um, a lot of artists are kind of ripping off other artists and older artists. And, you know, I always have this kind of game where, you know, with my daughter in the car and a new song comes on and it's Dua Lipa or something, or, you know, and the song comes on and then you're, I'm like, I know this melody, this melody is from something else. And then you find out when you dig a little deeper, it's a sampled thing from something else. So, you know, in the past, samples were used cleverly, but now they're just blatantly using samples and using guitar lines as vocal melodies and everything. So it's there, there's a lot of um, plagiarism and there's a, a, a too much sampling sometimes. But what I what I thought was really nice when I listened to your songs, you know, Distracted, Come Alive, 15 Candles, all those, you know, it's very it's it's very nice pop music and it, it's it's original. It's not. I wasn't listening to it going, oh, that's copying something else or that's stealing from that. You know, that that was refreshing because there's so much of that in the charts nowadays. And, you know, it's not like you're kind of I know sometimes younger artists might say, oh, that's older people or, you know, thinking, you know, they're copying Led Zeppelin or whatever. You know, it's not that. It's just when you know a melody and you hear it being used again, you like it to be done in a clever way. But if it's just blatantly through the whole song, you're like, okay, that's that's not an original song. How do you feel about that kind of thing? Well, I thank you for saying uh, what you said about my music and how it sounds original. Um, I definitely try for that. I definitely, definitely try for that. You know, I don't. I have lots of inspirations. I have plenty of inspirations in the music industry um, that I look up to, but. I'm not for um, taking anybody's melodies or, or sampling any of that stuff. I, I'd love to um, be able to show, um, hey, you know, she kind of kind of has a little bit of Billie Eilish, kind of has a little bit of, of this artist, kind of, but she's still Chesney. You know, she's not, she's not going and taking all of Billie Eilish's choruses, melodies, you know. Um, so I appreciate that. And, and I'm, I definitely try for that. Definitely try to do that. Yeah, because even, you know, when that single, uh, the 2021 single, Come Alive, that was, you know, that was very catchy. And it's, um, it's, it's very, it was different as well. You're kind of going, this is, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a good, catchy, hooky pop song, you know, a thing. And just there, when you were saying about Billie Eilish, actually, it's funny because, what tends to happen in the record industry and the music industry is that an artist breaks and they're different. You know, there's something original about them. And then the first thing all the other record labels do is look for clones, look for somebody who's the same. It happened with Nirvana. It happened with Guns N' Roses. It happened with Casey Perry. Every, everybody who was, you know, different in some way, there was they were always looking for the next Billie Eilish or the next, you know, like sometimes when I hear this Olivia Rodriguez, I'm like, oh, she's good but sometimes she's very like Billie Eilish so I can imagine for you as an artist even though you could be influenced by it when you're recording and writing it, it you have to try not to fall into the trap of sounding too much like somebody don't right. you um and that's where I come into play <laughs> like like my my thoughts and my melodies in my head you know um <clears throat> I love taking inspiration from from artists I love taking um you know, maybe even the way that they, their cadence, maybe their cadence or something. I like to throw some of that into my songs, but I'll never make it too obvious. Like where you hear it and you're like, she's singing this person, she's doing this. But I, um, 
I love taking inspiration. I think that's what makes um, my music, you know, what it is, is because I have inspiration from so many different artists all in one song. And I and, I'm, and I hear it in my head, and so I just I I turn it into a Chesney song, but with inspiration. <laughs> yeah, I actually meant to ask you that earlier when I was talking about your teenage years. What kind of music were you into? You know, when once you started, like you know, obviously when you were younger, you probably had your favorites. But as you got into your teens more, uh, what what kind of bands or artists? Was it pop? Was it country? What kind of stuff did you like? Um, I liked pop and I liked R&B. So um, I listened to a lot of, you know, um, especially when I was younger, I listened to a lot of Miley Cyrus, um, Demi Lovato, you know, um, that type of music, but I started listening to The Weeknd and more upbeat, funky type of stuff like that. Now I am listening to Mac Miller. I'm not sure okay. you're with him. Yeah, I know Mac Miller. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely inspiring my next song. Like, he's definitely inspired my next song. I've um, I've listened to his albums um especially his one called circles i've listened to that from beginning to end in order several times just trying to get a feel on mac miller and you know it's it's so cool to hear him do what he does and then and then like i put a spin on it and it's so it's so neat like it's it's such a cool feeling to be able to do that yourself uh do something that you love to hear from somebody else, you can do it yourself. Yeah, of course, because, I mean, that's what's really for everybody. It doesn't matter what age or what kind of artist you are, whether it's pop, rock, metal, it doesn't matter. It's you are inspired by, you know, bands or artists before you and even current bands. And it's great, you know, to hear sometimes new artists and that are people, you know, that still have kind of released music and you say, that's really interesting what they did there. Now, unfortunately, the way music works is that by the time you hear a new style of music coming out or a new artist and you're like, oh, that's very different. The cat is out of the bag then because, you know, for for artists who try to be like that, there are hundreds of other artists. So like that, when you're writing your songs and as you said earlier, it's it's Chesney, you know, you're that's you. That's, I think, what you have to stick to, isn't it? Because that's what's going to make you different. Because, you know, you can do a Billie Eilish cover or you can do, you know, a Mac Miller cover, anything. But it's it's inspiration. You know, it's like even sometimes I'm listening to an artist, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I could never do that song or I could never write a song like they do. But they inspire you to write your own song and have your own version of yourself, no? That's exactly what's happened. And, you know, I've gotten so much inspiration from Mac Miller. Um, my my brother actually passed away from an overdose. In oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. When was that? Uh, 2016. Oh, okay, I was, okay. Yeah, I was 15 years old. And I really struggled with that for a long time, you know, thinking about what I could do better for him, what I could have, what what more I could have done for him. And how, how old was your brother? He was 23. Okay, okay. Yeah, that he was, was 23 tough. and I was 15. And so I was his little sister and I was I was just, I was in distraught, just, just continuously thinking about that. And I was thinking, you know, if I keep having these negative thoughts, like like what I could have done better, it's, it's not going to make anything better. Like it's not going to change 
It's not going to change the fact that he's not here now. Um, so, so why not, um, take inspiration from these people who have been through the same thing as my brother has been through. And that's, that's the beauty of listening to, um, Mac Miller's albums is because he, he talks about it so openly and people, people shy away from, um, from talking about it. And, and it's not something to be glorified. I don't think it's just something, something that definitely needs to be talked about. And, and he did that. And, uh, he, he definitely did it with such style and such flow that it, it totally inspired me, especially for, for my next release. It's, it's a hundred percent Mac Miller inspired. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so excited to, to show people that, that side of me, because that's, that's something that I, I, I wasn't even expecting to pull, pull out of me. Cause I was really in the pop vibe. And then I, um, I just started listening to Mac Moore and it it's it's definitely um helped me get my feelings from my brother out and it's it's helped me um just helped me Can can I ask you um the the song 15 candles when I listen to that obviously the lyrics are you know they're quite deep in it and and, and you know you're kind of like for me, you know, if I'm just being honest and when I listened to it, I kind of was thinking it was like maybe like your dad had gone or, you know, I kind of got a vibe from it. But now I'm kind of now you told me the story with your brother. I was kind of like that was around you were 15 when he passed. No. Yeah, I was 15 when my brother passed. But um, lots happened when I was 15. OK, um, OK. So that that song, that song epitomizes lots of things. Yeah, fifteen candles is is about my father. Fifteen. Candles. Okay, okay. I, I that's what I thought, but then I just thought when you said that about your brother. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. Um, so my my dad, my dad was around for forever. Um, until I was, uh, twelve. My dad, my dad just uh just left us, and I I ended up seeing him on my fifteenth birthday. So. Three years had passed without him seeing me, and uh, I was really nervous to see him, and it was actually my 15th birthday, and I had a court-ordered session with the judge in Louisiana, and I walked into the room, and my dad is sitting there, and I said, hey, dad, it's my birthday, and he looked at me, he went, hmm, and he didn't say anything to me, just turned around, and so that song that was a really sad day for me because he's my dad and I was really hoping that, 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 you know, he would do the fatherly thing, but he didn't. And so that song is totally getting my feelings out about my dad. You know, I was really nervous about releasing that one, especially releasing it first. Um, I was, I was like, okay, my dad's going to see this and he's really going to hate me now. Um, but you know what? There's so many people who can relate to that song and there's so many people who would listen to those lyrics and be like dang I really feel the same exact way about my dad so I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out it's gonna be my very first release and everybody's gonna see it and I don't care and that's what happened you know it's got it's got almost 150,000 streams on Spotify it's definitely my top song right now. Um, it's been my top song since I put it out, and I've gotten so much good feedback from Fifteen Candles um, from from kids that are my age, from kids that are younger than me, even from grown men, like sixty year old men, who say I struggled with daddy issues, 
and you just put it into words and I really relate to it. So thank you. And that has made me feel so great. The yeah. Well, you know, you when you hear songs, like sometimes with pop songs, you know, they have like a chorus and a verse and, you know, there's a hook and everything. But, you know, sometimes maybe they're not that deep. They're they're just entertaining, you know, and they keep you going and it's, you know, a good groove. But then sometimes you'll hear a song that has deeper lyrics and you're listening to it. And, you know, the great thing about music is that as a fan or just somebody who hears something once, you get an interpretation of what they're talking about. Now, for me, obviously, I, when I heard that song, you know, and I kind of I, I was thinking like she's talking about her dad or something. Um, but I mean, I think fair play to you. You know, I commend you for that because you had the bravery to to take something negative that had happened to you and put it into a song and make it positive for other people. You know, because lots of people had, as you said, daddy issues and things with their parents and sometimes parents make mistakes and they never know how to come back and apologize for them. And, but it's nice that you were able to get it out. It was kind of like a form of therapy for you as well, I imagine. Right. And, and music all in all has, has totally been a form of therapy for me. I think it's a form of therapy for a lot of musicians, whether they want to admit it or not, you know, just being able to hear something in your head, hear a melody in your head, um, being able to feel a feeling and then being able to vocalize that feeling. There's, there's no other feeling than, than, than actually, actually having it out, like actually being able to say it and, and having people give you feedback on it. You know, it's like, it was, it was super nerve wracking. I was, I was really nervous to put that out. And then I did. And then I, I just got completely overwhelmed with, with positive energy. And that's something that I'm trying to do with like every aspect of my life. If there's something negative, I'm trying to find a way to flip it and make it positive because going negative, like thinking negatively, um, you're only going to manifest negative outcomes. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to move forward anymore. If you, if you just keep thinking, oh, maybe, Maybe I should have done that a little bit harder. You know, I'm so sad about that. Instead of thinking that way, you got to think, maybe I should have done that a little bit harder. I'm totally going to push myself a little bit harder next time. Like there's no other, there's no other option. I'm not going to, I'm not going to not push myself harder or I'm not going to not write these lyrics that I thought in my head. I'm not going to not release my song that I wrote with my feelings that so many other people can relate to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're totally right. And, you know, the great thing is when you do that the first time. And you have that kind of brave moment when you write a song. Because, you know, a lot of the time we write a song and it's in our bedroom or in the desert, wherever you may be. And it's for you, you know, and, and you're you, you you're not sure if it's ever going to be for anyone. And I think lots of artists have those songs and they're tucked away in those secret drawers, you know, and they never take them out. But once you do, it's a great relief to put it out there because you see the effect it has on other people. And, you know, it's it's a great thing. That's the most amazing thing about music is that not only is it therapy for you or your family who, who went through that, but it's also therapy for other boys and girls or adults or whoever who went through that also. And they're like, wow, this is this describes the way I felt or the way I'm feeling at the moment. So I think that's the wonderful thing, like how artists can create something and make it for everybody, no? 
Right. That's definitely the best acknowledgement to get, you know, for doing your music. It's, it's better than, better than an award. Whenever people, whenever people say, you know, your music really touched me, that line right there that you wrote, I really felt that, you know, I felt that a long time ago and I haven't heard anybody say that type of thing. You know, I've had people reach out to me and tell me that. And it's like, I'm so glad that I could, I could make something with my voice, with my thoughts. And it also, it also relates to you. You know, that's, that's such a cool thing. That, that's really, that's really nice. And, and well done for doing that. So let's talk about your magic book of spells. I love that description. You have the magic book of spells. So <laughs> you're like this little, little um, uh, sorcerer, you know, with, with magic and music, you know. Um, so, so with your magic book of spells, let's go back before we talk a bit about that, about your first song. So, you know, when you wrote your first song, what was it like a complete song? Was it just a little melody? What was it? I think my first song that I ever wrote, actually my first song that I ever wrote, I was probably like 13 and we had a piano in my house and I sat down and I tapped out a few chords and I wrote this quick little song, but I've never put it anywhere. Nobody's ever heard it. Um, but my first actual written song was 15 Candles. And oh, really? Yeah. That was the first time that I I really put my emotions into my songs. And that was the first time that I just let it all out. And it was it was my very first song ever. And, you know, it's it's doing great. And that's I think that's. Wow. A, yeah. I actually wrote it as like as soon as we moved to um as soon as we moved to Vegas, I remember, I remember sitting down on the couch writing it. Um, I had helped my mom. My mom is also a songwriter. So okay. um, along with mama during, she, um, she also helps me write some of my songs and she'll, um, you know, throw out a line and I'll make a whole song from the line or something like that. And so that's what we were doing at the beginning because she just likes to write. And so she would write down on a piece of paper, you know, um, her feelings. And I would take her feelings and put a little bit of my feelings in it. And then that's how we would come up with the song. So we did a couple of those um, before I wrote 15 Candles. Um, but 15 Candles was written by myself. Um, and in that time, it was... It was just me and it was just my feelings. And uh, I think that's what really makes 15 Candles special is, is because, you know, it's it's straight from me. My very first song. Wow, and, that's really good. Yeah, I just think it's a really cool, really cool thing. And how did your, because your, your, your mom, Kim, isn't that your mom's name? Yeah. 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 So hello, Kim, if you're out there somewhere well so so how did your mom feel about 15 candles because obviously if it was a manager who wasn't you know blood related to you or was thing it might be different they might say oh you have to release that but there you have your mom who's part of the story and she for some mothers they'd be like no no don't say that on air or don't talk about that so that was also it was kind of it affected her in a way too didn't it yeah you know um she she went through some hardships with my father. Um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, it was it was worse than my relationship with my father. Um, so when I wrote that song, you know, she she felt it for me. She felt 
um, she felt what I was saying and she, she felt how important it was to me to be able to get those words out and to be able to use that as my therapy. And so she, she was fine with it. She, she was like, if you feel brave enough to do it, then you do it. That's, that's, I mean, it's up to you at this point. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. And she was like, I'm ready. let's do it. And so, yeah, it well, was, that, it was yeah. That was good, yeah. So let's talk about your actual process of songwriting. So now, you know, your your process has probably evolved. Like For a lot of people, it changes or they do it differently. But for you, you know, do you lay down a melody or does a line come to you, you know, when you're running or in the shower or whatever? Like, where does that initial idea kind of come? Melody or lyrics more? Um, usually, if I, I like to take my time and listen to instrumentals. I like to listen to um, a beat first. And once I hear a beat, a melody will come. And then after the melody are the words. Um, but, but some, I mean, it really just depends on the day because my songwriting technique is like all over the place. Honestly, um, if I, if I come up with a melody in my head first, then I'll keep that melody and tell somebody like, listen, this is the type of beat that I need, you know, you hear in it. And so, um, so, I mean, it, it changes every day, but, but, uh, I really, I really enjoy writing to, um, to instrumentals first. That's what, that's what I enjoy doing in songwriting. But sometimes, I mean, if there's a line that pops in my head, I'll just pull out my phone and voice memo it real quick, or I'll, I'll record something and I'll be like, okay, I got to get in the studio ASAP and, and remember this so I can have it on my head. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the thing about, you know, everybody has their phone or iPhone or whatever, and they have, you know, the, the voice memos full of these ideas and little sketches. And everything. I know I'm like that myself. I'm, you know, I always laugh because, you know, you're walking along, sometimes you get an idea and, you know, you don't want to be like Frank Sinatra walking down the street. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're homing. And then you come back to the phone like a week later and you're like, oh, I had that really good idea. And you listen to it and you're like, what was I saying? What was I mumbling about? Because maybe you were on the bus or <laughs> so in the lift. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did that in my car one time. I like to I like to drive um, sometimes with no music on at all. Just just me and my thoughts. And uh while I'm driving, sometimes, you know, they'll pop in my head. And uh, I I did that one time and I got this fire melody in my head. And as soon as I got out of the car, I played it back and the audio was all messed up and I completely forgot the <laughs> melody. I'm like, oh, you know, that's yeah. not fine. <laughs> no, no, that's it. Yeah. But well, see, the thing I think as long as you can get the main idea down, you know, if you if you have, let's say, the guitar chords or the melody for you, then when you're writing, obviously, because you're, you know, as you said, you have your new computer and your kind of studio there. But, you know, what like do you play certain instruments or you just dabble in different instruments? Do you use a, a guitar or a piano kind of to come up with ideas? Okay, okay. Very nice. I uh I I got my little MIDI. I got that um whenever I got my studio set up. I um I know how to play a few chords on the piano. I am not 
by any means saying that I can play a song or even play one of my songs on the piano. Um, but I've tried guitar. I have a guitar in the corner over there, and it's been sitting in the corner for a while now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with I mean, time, I, with time. Well, yeah, with time, with time. I've, I've tried those things, but um, the, the thing that makes me uh, most happy is just singing. So, I mean, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> Yeah. And do you, so, so obviously now, you know, with, you know, when you get a song and you have the bare bones of it and the melody and everything, do you try and do more, you know, production yourself at home? Do you like, you know, are you working in Logic or Pro Tools or GarageBand even? Do you kind of do as much as you can and then before you pass it to somebody else? Uh, yes. So I started off working in GarageBand and I would, um, I'd make my demos in GarageBand and try to, uh, mess with my MIDI and make a make a beat or whatever. But I ended up taking all these notes um, um, on YouTube on how to use Logic. And so I Okay, got okay, yes. Yeah, got Logic. And um, now I can make my demos exactly the way I want them to sound with my voice. I can um, I can easily send it to somebody and say, this is what I want. And, you know, it's such a useful tool to be able to do that um, because I was recording on my phone. Like I would record whole songs on my phone, write a song and record the whole song and then show somebody. And they're like, I'm like, no, it's so much better. I promise you it's so much better than what you're hearing right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a useful tool um, as an artist to be able to to be able to um, record your own voice, and especially how you want your vocals to sound. As an artist, um, that's a that's a cool thing to get down in logic. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about it is, we, we, I'm laughing because we, we in Europe, we say garage band and you say garage band, you know, and uh, <laughs> but but I started out using garage band when, you know, I was years ago and, and when the Mac has I've always used Macs. And um, but then obviously there's a time you progress to logic and then you're like, whoa, this is a yeah. bigger bag of tricks, more it's to learn. Like your, your your learning curve is higher, but then you can get so much better results. And. And, you know, then you're like, wow, how, how can I ever work without this? And so I think the great thing now is, you know, with YouTube and with all these courses and everything, you can learn so much about music production yourself and you can, you know, you can say, OK, I can do as much of the song and as much of the production as I want, you know, in order to make it sound like a good, decent song. Right. You know, um, it's 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 definitely a useful tool. <laughs> it really is um especially like being a songwriter and and coming up with new song ideas every day um it's 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 just super easy super easy to be able to to send it to my producers to be able to to do all that stuff and and the transition from GarageBand to Logic is so easy you know it's like basically the same basically the same format but just with with extra tools with more more useful things um so transition was super easy but i'm still learning stuff i've I've got so much to learn in logic still i've been working on it for like six months um but there's still a whole a whole 
other six, seven, eight sheets of these that I probably need to show. Well, you, yeah, you would, you, you have plenty of time and you know, you will, you'll look back in three or four years and you'll be like, wow, I learned so much yeah. and just, you know, like writing songs in my bedroom, whatever, and then producing them. And I mean, the, the more finished you can have a song, it cuts down obviously on further costs going to producers and you know musicians and everything because you've more work done and nowadays there's such good technology you can create songs easier and you've more loops to work with there's, i mean it's just really really good so let's talk about for a minute so, so then when you have your songs you know and, and you have them you know written and you know you work on them as well as you can you send them to a producer and mix and master and so on but then when you, I see there, obviously, you've got some sync opportunities on Hulu and these kind of shows. So was that a hard thing to try and get your music kind of in front of um, these, you know, TV people? It definitely is. And that is my momager's job. You know, she's all <laughs> on top of that. Um, she, yeah. She knows all about the sync, syncing deals and everything. But um there's there's so many opportunities to be found as an artist um, that you just have to dig and you just have to dig and dig and dig and dig and then you'll find something and it'll be a perfect fit for you and it'll be such a great opportunity. You know, I've, I've been blessed with so many opportunities um, this far and thanks, Kimbo. <laughs> thanks, Kim. <laughs> she, she's definitely... She's definitely Chesney funny. and Kimbo. It sounds like a, a Las Vegas show. <laughs> That's funny. Chesney and Kimbo. That's it. Chesney and Kimbo, yeah. So um, speaking of shows, you're you're also currently, I think you're doing it, or are you maybe rehearsing in theater? So the Break the Silence extravaganza. You, you've actually you've done shows with that already, or you're still in rehearsal? I've um I've done shows with them. So I went to Reno in October. I uh, went to Reno, Nevada, and I had a performance with Howard Hewitt and um, John John from Troop. And Danny Glover was there and he was a speaker at the um, at the fundraiser. It's actually a domestic violence um, fundraiser. It's called Break the Silence. And um, so we're I'm actually continuing the tour with them in April. We'll be in California. Um, yeah. So explain explain to us explain to us what it like is it more like a conference or is it a show what is it It's a show it's 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 a fundraiser and it's like there's a couple of artists who come and perform and there's a couple of speakers and um there's food and last time you I always need food was, Oh yeah oh yeah soul food too Yeah and, yeah uh, Last time I was there, there was like a model walk and all kinds of stuff. It was just a really cool opportunity, um, especially being able to meet Danny Glover. That was really cool. Yeah, I sang in front of him and then and then he came over to me and he was dancing while I was singing and he kissed me on the forehead and he was like, you got this. And I was like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. He was so nice. And do you have aspirations, you know, as well as being a singer, to ever be an actress or is that something you've dabbled in the past? Um, it, it's definitely something that I would be interested in. Um, I have actually looked at opportunities all over the internet, um, you know, for, for something that would be close here, um, doing, doing all, all, any kind of acting opportunities. So I've gotten on this app called backstage where you can apply to all these different, um, you know, 
TV shows or, or movies, if they have a role that they need, a, a 20-year-old girl that with crazy blonde hair and blue eyes, <laughs> then, then I will first apply to that. And, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I'm be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm always open for opportunities like that. I think that would be so cool. Well, I think that's great. And, you know, I love your energy and enthusiasm because, you know, you're, you, you have to be, you have to be always aware of the good and bad opportunities, but you have to be open to everything and just be careful of the decisions you make and read every contract. And, you know, people have a tendency to just sign the deal and then not look at the fine print, but, you know, with with Kim Kimbo or whatever you can, uh, she sounds like she's really watching your back. So that's really good. So for you, you know, I, I saw obviously as well. You, you had your, you set up the the your record label, the Zeiss. Was it Zeiss or yeah, yeah. record labels? Yeah. And tell us about that. So, is that kind of was that something where you thought, okay, I'm an independent artist, and you know, this is my record label, and I want to do this record label for myself and other people as well. Right. So, um, we're. Since we are so independent and we've been independent um, in this business for five years now, we thought, you know, what would it hurt to have a record label and to be able to put my songs under this record label um, if it's only going to benefit me later on if these songs actually get bigger? So, mm. you know, I I thought about it for a while, talked to Kimbo, <laughs> and uh, we decided to make Zeiss Entertainment, and um, and we've really been been pushing all my music through Zeiss, and uh, yeah, that's good, that's good. Well, because you know, like the thing about record labels as well, they're so easy to set up. I mean, because you know, you you are the record label, but it's what it can grow into, and and as you said. The songs you have out already as they grow and, you know, and, and and maybe in the future with, you know, you have other songs that become bigger and it's all part of this package, Zeiss Records. So it's what that can prosper and become. And then obviously you can, you know, you might see other artists in Las Vegas or New York or wherever. And you'd be like, wow, it would be really cool to bring them onto the into the label, wouldn't it? Yeah. It, it would definitely be cool. Um, we've definitely gotten contacted by lots of talented people, um, lots of talented artists. Right now, we've been um, we've been mainly just 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 kind of honing in on 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 my business though, trying still still just trying to get started and stuff. Yeah, of but course, of course, once, of course. Once something actually happens, I would love to um, to have a team, you know, working on on our record label, having having other artists on our record label. I think that would be such an amazing thing to see Zeiss grow like that. I think that would be cool. Yeah, well, well yeah, and I, I think it will because, you know, like the foundation of anything like that is a good artist. So, I mean, you, you, you're a good artist already and you have good songs. And once you have more songs, you know, and you bring out an albums, you know, what will start to happen then is as the whole thing grows, you'll get other people interested and then you'll also be inspired by new artists coming up and you'll be like, okay, this person, this guy, this girl, whoever should be on the team, you know, let's bring them into the fold, you know? So I'm going to let you go in a second, but I just want to ask you as regards your kind of ambitions and stuff for the next year or two, what kind of things are you focusing on? Um, I'm definitely focusing on getting more, um, getting more of my songs out because I have so many um, that that I definitely feel like they need to be heard. 
Um, so I'm definitely going to work on that. I would love to do a tour. And I don't, I guess that's um, getting started within these two years, but I would love to tour to my top cities. You know, I think that would be um, a really beneficial thing. Of course, um, touring would be beneficial. Um, but there are some opportunities here in Vegas that I want to tackle too. Um, there's Life is Beautiful Festival 2022. I'm trying all I can do to get into that festival. I just want to be performing on the stage. I went and I um, I saw Life is Beautiful 2021 um, in September, and it was such an amazing experience. Billie Eilish was 20 feet away from me on stage. You know, it was it was just beautiful. So I'm definitely trying to get in there. Um, and who knows, maybe be maybe be signed, maybe, I, I don't know, I'm just taking it day by day, and, um, and making the best out of every day, I, I don't really have a set plan, I just have an end goal. Yes, well, well, that's good, yeah, and, and that, I mean, that's the thing with goals, you know, they can keep moving, and, you know, you, you're kind of chasing that goal, but that's a good thing as well, because you don't want to get to a place and say, okay, what now? You want to always be evolving yeah. and you always want to be, you know, making that next step and the goal becomes bigger each time. And also as well, what I nearly didn't mention, which is very important is, is you, all your industry awards so far. I mean, you know, you're, you, I know you got the, you did the Michael Jackson. That was very interesting. The bad cover. And Best Upcoming Artist at Las Vegas Music Awards. Really good. And Female Artist of the Year for Indie Star Radio. Yeah, and I won U.S. Female Vocalist of the Year Gold with ISSA. And I got nominated for Josie. And Josie. And a World Songwriting Award. And, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Great. Wow. Next, it's Grammys, Ivor Novellos, MTV Awards. Yeah. Even, even, the, even, yeah, I mean, every of those awards from your peers is gr a great achievement because they show you're going in the right direction and they're kind of somebody taking notice of you, which is a great thing. Right. I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm so thankful for these awards. You know, it's definitely showed, you know, how much, how much my fans have stepped up and how much, um, how much people are actually taking notice of my music. And it's such an amazing feeling, you know, I'm going to keep, keep trying every day for another award and for for more people to say that they can relate to my music those are my two biggest things i want people to be able to relate and acknowledge wow yeah well listen you know chesney thank you very much for coming on the podcast it's been lovely to talk to you and you know i just want to say well done so far and everything you've done you brought out some fabulous songs very original authentic and you know in a in a kind of sea of people trying to copy other people it's great to hear new artists who are true to themselves and just kind of what they create stays as they envisioned and doesn't turn into just a copy of something else so i want to commend you for that and stay on that road you're on and we will be watching and listening and seeing where everything takes you. And we will, you know, we'd love to have you on the show again and uh, in the future when, when things are bigger and brighter. So thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on the Collective Whisper podcast. Um, I'll definitely be back. <laughs> Chesney Claire, everybody. Thank you.
Okay, thank you very much, Chesney. That was a really interesting interview, and uh, we loved having you on all the way from Las Vegas. And thank you for you know telling us about your career so far. And we know it's going to be a bigger and brighter star that's blossoming for you. So we wish you the best with everything, and well done so far on all your great achievements and all your awards. It's been fantastic. And as I said, we wish you the best. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to the show. And we hope you're enjoying it. And we hope you like the guests we're having for you. We'll try to make it as diverse as possible, all types of different guests. And if you'd like to support the show, you can support us on Patreon or you can support us even just by liking and following and, you know, reviewing the podcast. We would really appreciate that. Um, So until the next time, look after yourself, look after your family, take care of everybody, take care of everything. My name is Simon K. This is the Collective Whisper Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>